that I don't know. I don't have a big education. But I do know that prayer changes things. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, put your hands together. There's a little song. Chapel. This is Wednesday night Bible class, and I want you to put that share button, hit it right quick, and let's bring some more people on. We're just so happy to have all of our members uh, here in Jackson and our online members from around the world. Uh, we're, we're just really glad to be with you on this Wednesday night. So we are going to continue our conversation. You know, we've been talking a lot about the questions that you as congregation have and some of the main pressing issues that you want to discuss. And so we talked last week about how important it is to pray. This week, we're going to talk about what to pray and then what not to pray. So here is our beginning. And we're going to pray right now that God would enter this room and give us divine inspiration. 
Oh God, we're here with you again. And we're just so thankful to have this Wednesday night where we can study together. God, you always told us that if we welcome you into our hearts, that you would answer us. And so we're asking you right now, Lord, open our doors, open our hearts so that we can hear from you. As we study this word, we're asking a special blessing on every home, every person that's listening to us. And what we do and say here, to the glory of God, let us not be so selfish that we keep it to ourselves, but that we share it with someone else. All right, hallelujah. Prayer does change things. And what we want to talk about tonight is what do you pray for? And then what do you not pray for? So let's define prayer. Prayer is listening, worshiping, and molding our wheels into God's will. Now that's a real basic definition for prayer. And I would say this is the way that you would want to start it. We can come boldly into God's presence because Jesus told us that the Father promises to answer our prayers. Scripture guides and shapes our prayers by showing us how to pray for physical provisions, spiritual blessings, and fruitfulness in good works for the glory of God. You know that scripture of Luke 11th chapter, the ninth through the 10th verse, it says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. I know that's very, very involved. If you ever hope to know God and thereby know yourself, you must pray. There was an article that came out April 24, 2012 by Derek Jeter. And this is a little story. You know, I like to tell these little stories as we go along. Uh, a bar was being built in a town that was a dry town. So a group of Christians opposed the construction and began an all night prayer meeting, asking God to intervene. Lightning struck the building, burning it to the ground. The owner of the bar brought a lawsuit against those Christians, claiming they were responsible. Well, the Christians had to hire an attorney claiming they were not responsible. But here's the clincher of the story. In the judge's ruling, he said, no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The bar owner believes in prayer and the Christians do not, end quote. I thought that was such a powerful story because what we say and how we act 
really does show do we believe in our prayers. If we who are fighting evil and, and we know we have God, if we're loving on our children enough to give them all kinds of gifts, even things sometimes that may be harmful for them, you know, like the little pellet guns and all of that. Just think about how much more God gives us good gifts when we pray. He's already given us the comforter and the teacher. And then the greatest gift is the gift of God's indwelling Holy Spirit. But the only way you can access that is through prayer. God is overjoyed to give us what we need. But we have to come to him in prayer. And when we pray, it has to be for the right thing and for the right way. So that's why we're going to spend some time tonight talking about prayer and the types of prayers. Prayer is the greatest and most important conversation we can have all day long. That's the reason it's important to get up early in the morning or whenever you rise, if you're one of those folks that work and, and you have to sleep in the day, but then you get up in the evening, time you get up. It's simply a time to go to God in prayer. Prayer touches our divine inside heart. Just like when you hear that baby babbling and you can't really make out what they're saying, I promise you, I believe that the Lord knows what's on their hearts. So let's just say, if I had to tell you what prayer does, prayer is to breathe the air of heaven and to whisper into the ear of God. So take a moment. And just take a deep breath and whisper a prayer. Thank you, God. Well, that little story that I read you that Jeter transformed and talked about what to pray for and how those Christians wanted that bar not to be in their areas. I want to start with what do not to pray for. And one of the best examples in the Bible was the Pharisees when they were praying out of Matthew 6, chapter 5 and the 6th verses. This is what Jesus said to his followers. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father, who is in the secret place and your father 
who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, if I have young listeners out there who may not understand the secret closet business, it's about moving yourself from around other people. And the closet of your heart, that was what I was praying about earlier, Lord, come inside of us. That's when you close the door to the outside world and you pray. But you're not supposed to just stand in public and oratorial prayers. It's important that when, how, and what we pray comes from a pure heart and a sincere place inside of us. We, we shouldn't just be praying faulty, flavorant prayers, even in service. Our prayer time should be spent talking with God and then really developing that relationship and that intimacy. And when we have prayer meetings or other outward uh, congregational times, still our prayers should not be hypocritical, nor should they be dressed with anything that talks about a person. They should be conversations between us and God. We should never be praying to draw attention to ourselves. A prayer is a reverent conversation of divine order with God. And we're going to talk about what to pray and how to pray in a little while. But let's talk about the second prayer that you should not be doing. We should not pray for judgment or curses on others. In our anger, our pain, or our hate, we can want God to judge and avenge others, but he's told us that that's not what he's about. We're not supposed to be about that. It does not give us a legal right to curse or pray for judgment on a person or a group of people. You know, like that judge was saying, that's, that's not where we're supposed to be. We are supposed to be praying for life and for love, not for death and not for persecution. So I think that when we look at the example that Jesus gave, we could go to Luke, the ninth chapter, the 54th and the 55th verses. And it says, and when his disciples, James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not want what manner of spirit you are for. You do not know what manner of spirit you are for. He was saying, that's not supposed to be in your spirit. You as a Christian, you're not supposed to be talking about hate and getting back at anybody. And, and I tell you, if you really want a chapter, I mean, in a, a book, Romans 12, it has so much great reading in it and instances of how you 
are not supposed to be acting toward people and then how you can be blessed when you do what God wants you to do. Um, bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Romans 12, 14. When we come to God in prayer, we should pray for others to be blessed who hurt us. That's what he wants us to do. And remember, all vengeance belongs to the Lord. That's Romans 12, 19. So remember that. That's not, that's not our prayer. And still, it can be hard, especially when somebody's hurting you. I know this firsthand too, but we have to remind ourselves that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness in this age where we live now, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's our wrestle. And we can't handle that by ourselves. That's the reason we have to pray humbly. God, something is wrong around me. And I want you to move me away from it. I want you to allow me to stand. Now, the next thing that we're not to pray for, we're not to pray to manipulate people or to twist God's arm of giving an ultimatum. God, if you don't do this for me, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, but you need to come on. That, that's not our job. When we come to God, humbly giving our requests, we should never demand God of things. If you don't do this, God, you cannot do that. We will go deeper into this later as we discuss how to pray and what to pray for. But Ecclesiastes 5 and 2 says to not be rash with our mouth before God. Let me look that one up. Ecclesiastes 5, 2. Not to be rash with our voice with God. Now, this next one. Do not make vows hastily, and especially things that you cannot keep. That's what that verse in Ecclesiastes is talking about. You, you don't want to be rash with your mouth. It, it's sometimes hard when somebody's in your face and they're saying something to you, and, and all of a sudden you just want to boom. I mean, I, I used to do that a lot when I was a lot younger, but you know, as you age and you become a little wiser. You learn how to step back and just be quiet for a minute. Let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Mm. Isn't that something powerful to think about? Is how we must delay what we send to the Lord. So a vow is a voluntary promise to God to do or not to do something. 
And when we make vows, we want to make sure that we are sincere and, and it's not some foolishness that is just coming across our spirit where we have allowed the devil to get in us. God will forgive us, though, if we repent. But, you know, as you get wiser and make less mistakes, you shouldn't have to be repenting all the time. All right. Now, here's number five. Do not pray for someone else's spouse. I thought this was a very interesting one. And I tell you, I'm getting ready to do a wedding in December and I'm doing the counseling for the young people. And one of the things that I say to them is that you're no longer two. You are now joining together as one. And once God calls people together and they are married, they are one. So we need to stay out of their business. Now, this may be a hard one for moms and even sometimes for dads because you want to pray for your daughter. Something is happening between the husband and the wife. And you want to pray for your son because he's not getting along with the wife or whatever. But stay out of their business. Do not pray for someone else's spouse. That is one of those things that was put in this list that I thought was so powerful. Now, the last one. So here's one that I know it's, it's hard sometimes for us to remember. But it says, don't use vain repetitions in prayer. Matthew 6, 7, that we referred to before, says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. That's not our job. Our job is to be clear, to be concise, to actually pray for things that are meaningful. We're not chanting. It is not a mantra of just repeating words and repeating phrases. When we pray as Christians, we're having a conversation with God. We're not trying to conquer anything or come up with a thousand words that would make it sound like it's a great dissertation. We just want to be clear. Now, the last one on this do not pray list, do not pray just your will. You know, that's, that's a hard one, isn't it? Do not pray just your will. We, we know things that we want or need or things that are troubling in our hearts. But you must remember when you pray, God will not necessarily answer your will the way you want it answered anyway. It's going to be his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus modeled prayer. I tell you, we don't look at it enough, I don't think. But also, I'd like to reference you to that Gethsemane prayer in the garden. I know that had to be a difficult prayer 
for Jesus. But go and read that in, in Matthew 6 chapter sometime also. It's not easy to focus on things we want in our life and then just bring those requests to God. What we should be seeking and praying for is God's will and desire for our lives. This doesn't mean that you can't request things for God. It means we shouldn't just pray our will. Deep down, we should want God's will over our own. So often praying for children, we say, Lord, help us with this child. Get this child out of these evil ways. I want my child back in the church. That's where you just went to your will. When we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added to us, to you. That's Matthew 6, chapter 33rd verse. When we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you don't know how God is going to answer that prayer over that child. So your will, Lord, let's bring him back to K Chapel. That's not going to work. You have got to figure God's will for that child and that God's going to answer that prayer under God's rules, under God's guidance of how it is that that child comes back to the church. All right. So that's the last of that list. And now I want to move to the positive side, you know, because I've talked about all of the ways that we're not supposed to pray. But now I want to talk about what it is that we are to pray for. And, you know, all of us are now using the uh, World Wide Web. We go on our computers, we go on our phones through Google and all the other search engines. And what was amazing to me is when I put that in there, what are we to pray for? It said 261 million results. That was a 52 second search, you all. I couldn't believe it. So, of course, I wasn't going to take time to give you 261 million results a positive prayer, but I did make up a short list. And that's what we're going to go through now as we round out this Bible study for this Wednesday night. The first one, I think that this is what you come in the church knowing, and we talk about it all the time from 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So number one of ways and things to pray for, at the top of your list should be confession of your sins. We pray this in honesty because we are creatures, we are humans with this double personality, I like to call it, where you want to be godly, but then sin is on every hand. And, and you really 
can't go through a day without sinning. It's just, it's just doesn't happen because we're human. So confession of your sins has to be at the top of your list. The second one is asking for forgiveness. That, you know, earlier I was talking about when we start praying for my will to be done rather than God's will to be done. That, that, that's when we're getting in that asking for forgiveness. Uh, Matthew 6 and 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Matthew 6 and 12, out of that model prayer that Jesus prayed, forgive us our debts. There's things all the time. We're indebted to God. But we also have to ask for forgiveness of those things that other people do to us. It's not for you. It is for us to purge and to get it out of our spirit, asking for forgiveness. Cleaning up your own heart, getting the doubt out of you. And when you pray for forgiveness of others, that's the third one, asking for forgiveness for yourself. And then you're going to ask for forgiveness of others. That comes out of Matthew 18, 21. Peter came to Jesus and he asked him, he said, Lord, how often shall I, my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now, you know, that Peter was something else. He, he was short tempered. We, we've, we've read the stories about you know, when they came in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter was the one pulled out his knife, cut off the soldier's ear, and then Jesus had to do automatic surgery and put it back on and calm Peter down and send him away and all of that. P Peter was a fighter. And so him asking the question, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? Interesting that he would come up with the number seven. But the answer Jesus gave him was 70 times seven. Goodness, that's 490 times. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of forgiving. And they weren't talking about just one day of forgiving. They were talking about forgiving, forgiving all the time. So the model that Jesus has given us is that our hearts should be in a forgiving state. Don't hold grudges. Don't, don't keep things in your heart. Get to the place where you honestly forgive people. Even when they've done you wrong, you'd be surprised what happens. What well, first thing that happens is all of that animosity and negative feeling is out of there and, and you have opened the door for love and for peace and for joy. So that takes us into our fourth one, which is asking for a pure heart. That came out of Psalms 51.10. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Do you know what that really means? When you let go, let things just come out in your prayer time, it would be so easy to hear from God because you've cleaned out. It's just like, you know, a room and you got a whole junk, a lot of junk in it and you start moving it out and cleaning it out. And once you get it clean, you can sit down and 
and just breathe and take in your new environment. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Daily prayer, y'all. Matthew 5 and 8 said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I remind myself of that all the time. If you want to see God, you got to work on the inside of you. Now, you need to be honest about your circumstances. And the only way that you are going to have that prayer is that you are now ready to hear from God. And, and let your ear receive God's word. And I tell you, this is one of the pieces that you want to teach your children about praying. And it is not an easy one, but your honest feelings about your circumstances. You want to pray on that. Uh, reference scripture is Jeremiah 9, 19, 19 through 21. And that's a very involved story. And we're not going to go into that. But I just want you to be honest with your feelings about your circumstances. I don't want just this is on the list of preferred prayers. When we come to God in honesty, we're not faking with God. It's bothering you. Something is terribly wrong either physically or emotionally or mentally, something, something is not right. And you need to go to God with your honest feelings. Then in your prayer, you have got to be able to acknowledge God's love for you. That's a, that's a faith thing that is the backdrop of all of this. And that is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's that big old category of all of us, believes in him shall not perish. Now, as you pray, that's in the back of your mind all the time, that faith walk, that faith commitment. God loves you. That's why you can open up to God and say all of these things. And then the next one is just as powerful. God's goodness. We, we, we see God too often, I think, in a negative con connotation. And in our praises, this is the adoration period when you say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall be continuously in my mouth. That's Psalms 34. You are already counting your worthiness of his calling on your life. God has been good to you. God has opened up more doors for you than anybody could ever close. But the most important thing is that you were born in his righteousness before you came out of your mother's womb. Remember that scripture? You were already destined. You are already placed here to do certain things. And we are a fulfillment of God's goodness. And the work of faith that we do 
it will have power when we put God's goodness and God's love for us in front. That's the reason why those daily prayers start out with adoration. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I'm bathing in your goodness this morning, Lord. I'm thankful for the opportunity to breathe. Thank you for the ability to move my hands, Lord. Thank you for my limbs, Lord. I'm, I'm just in this glorious moment with you. I'm thanking you, Lord, just for being so good to me. It's personal, y'all. You got to pull it in and you got to give God the thankfulness of who you are and what it is that God has given you. So we've talked about what not to pray for. We've just skimmed the list of what to pray for. And your prayer list is personal. You can write out your own prayer list, but start with the items that we've just gone over. You can create a prayer list for friends that you're interceding on their behalf. And it's couples, single people, children, communities, action items. You can put all of that on a prayer list. But you start with your adoration and you're asking for forgiveness and then acknowledging God's love. When we petition daily, that's give us our daily bread. We, we are not just saying some words, y'all. We want protection from temptations. We don't want debts of our own and debts of others to overwhelm us. We're praying for forgiveness and a, a heart of mercy that extends forgiveness to others and deliverance for others from temptation. We don't want other people to be tempted either. You know, like coming up to you, saying things, doing things to you. You, you don't need that in your space. And the way to get that hedge of protection around you from temptation is with your early morning and your constant prayers. Jesus prayed and he taught his disciples to pray for spiritual needs of others. They were taught to pray for wisdom, hope, strength, love, faith, confidence in the Lord, spiritual understanding, endurance, discernment, purity of their heart, sanctification, that's moving you closer to God, and for comfort. Now, there are tons of scriptures that are given on these subjects, but the prayers of Paul is used a lot in discussing all the different prayers in Romans 15 chapter. Spiritual blessings to God gives to us in Christ equips us so that we will have what we need to persevere. 
you know, through all circumstances, you got to have prayer to be able to get through it. So that Romans 15, 13, the spiritual blessings of God gives to us in Christ, equip us with hope. We need to persevere through all circumstances. Now stand with Paul's uh, model prayers and, and with the work that he was doing. Prayers for fruitfulness and good works. That's an important category. I think we kind of touched on it last week. Uh, the last time I was with you guys a couple of weeks ago. Um, he wrote letters to different churches. And the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians, he was asking them to pray for us that the word of God may speed ahead and be honored. I thought that was interesting the way he put that. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 1. We want to advance the kingdom of God. That's our work. So he was saying to them in a letter to pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. I like to ask for prayers of the church when I'm traveling and when I'm going to preach or speak to a group or work in a new organization doing a workshop. Because see, I know that there are some praying saints in our church. And if your prayers are going ahead to speed the work of the Lord, that just makes it easier. And we're praying that whatever we're doing in these faith work, in this faith walk, that it does honor God. The fruitfulness of others in his letters was something that was really powerful too. Because Paul prayed for the Colossians, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's Colossians 1 and 10. He didn't just pray for their work. He prayed for the work of others. He prayed for the fruitfulness of righteousness for the Philippians and what they were doing as they were establishing churches. And that's what we have to do too. When we pray for the fruitfulness of others and ourselves and for what we're doing, we are creating Christ Jesus good works here on earth that have already been prepared for us. And we're just walking into it. That's a sort of a turn around to Ephesians 2 and 10. When we pray for fruitfulness for ourselves and others, it reminds us that this is a workmanship that was already created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, I've talked a lot about what not to pray, what to pray, persevering in prayer. Uh, you cannot get discouraged when you feel like God isn't answering your prayers. We may struggle to understand how our prayers 
are making a difference, but we serve a sovereign God and he will always come through. We just don't know when or how, but I promise you, God never fails. God hears you. So we want to encourage you with the words that we say in our prayer. Trust in him at all times. Oh, people, pour out your hearts before your God. God is your refuge. That, that's, that's a powerful statement. Trust in him at all times. When we keep praying, that, that command that we have, pray without ceasing, and I promise you, it is not hard to pray without ceasing. You get up in the morning and you pray. You get in your car and you pray. You move through your work day and you, you're praying, Lord, just hold me. Just keep my mouth. You, you're praying in the, in the afternoon, Lord, help me self-examine. Take me back through what I went through the day. And here's my confession time. Here's the time, Lord, that I just want to ask for your forgiveness. Then you get ready for your evening and you're ready to say the evening prayers, asking God to look over you, look over your family, intercessory prayers for families and friends. I mean, you've been praying, you've been praying without ceasing. Those who have united with Christ, Christ by faith can draw near to our heavenly father, but it requires the throne of grace with prayers and petitions. Prayer leads us to praise and we can receive the glory of God and thanks for what he has already provided y'all. That, that's, that's the bottom line. If you just gave the prayers of thanksgiving and utterances of praises, you, you, you'd be on your knees quite well. We cannot forsake the privilege to pray. God is faithful but it requires us coming humbly before him. Now, there is a real truth in prayer. Yes, God has commanded us to pray. That should be sufficient right there, right? But God also not only just hears our prayer, because he is a prayer hearing God, but he does answer our prayers. But we have to conform to perfectly to the will of God. That means you got to give God time and space in your heart to hear from him. Then you have to have a listening ear that you know is God's answer. And that takes time. That takes us being sincere with our prayers. Praise God, even when there's an unanswered prayer. Because you know he's coming. You just don't know the time. Or you don't know how. Trust in the Lord. He has a better plan, y'all, than we do. He already knows how he's going to answer our prayers. But we have to ask. Remember what I started out with? So prayer is really a self 
humbling benefit before the throne of grace and you're calling up on the Lord. Yield to his will and I promise you his will will be done. All right, guys. That's it. I am finished with this whole idea of what not to pray for and what to pray for. And I tell you that it is humbling just to even think on all of these things. But what I want to leave you with is what I started with. And I think that that rounds us out. So I say to you, ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. That's Luke 11 chapter. 9th through 10th verses. So as I leave you tonight, please share this Bible study with others. And we are going to pray that we continue to grow in God's grace as we openly and publicly and very privately pray with pure hearts. And don't forget Monday morning, 6 a.m. Bible. I mean, 6 a.m. prayer time where you can get online. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this opportunity. Go with us, God. Guide us, protect us, direct us, Lord. And we thank you for the opportunity to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. See you, K-Chapel.